I don't think that waking up early is a requisite to, to being successful. I think that ambition and hard work are requisites. Welcome to Office Hours by Business Class from American Express. Each episode features innovative entrepreneurs and experts discussing how to navigate today's business challenges. That was Jason Oppenheim, president and CEO of the Oppenheim Group, award-winning real estate broker and TV star on prioritizing passion and dedication to find success in real estate or any industry. Jason began his career as a lawyer before learning the ropes of real estate in Los Angeles and becoming one of the city's most prominent brokers. In this Office Hours episode, Jason told author and entrepreneur Sunil Gupta how he listens to his instincts and cultivates a strong team spirit to help his business thrive. Please note, the views expressed here belong to the guests interviewed and do not necessarily reflect those of American Express. Hey, Jason. How are you, man? Good to see you. Yeah, you too. All right. Uh, hey, uh, I'm excited for this. This is going to be a great conversation. Um, you know, we, we got some people joining in right now, and uh, I think the vast majority of us know all about you. Um, you are a founder, you're a CEO, you're a president, you're a real estate broker, you're a TV star. Uh, but for the very few of us that may not know about like Jason Oppenheim's world, can you sort of describe that for us? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I put a few different hats on. Um, I think my most important hat is that of a real estate broker, you know, the owner of the company, someone who manages um, many different agents, probably 20 agents in the LA office, 20 agents in the uh, in the Newport Beach office. And after that, I'm also, you know, real estate investor, uh, um, you know, landlord, um, attorney and contractor. Uh, but I think those are kind of smaller hats. It's a lot of hats. Yeah. And, you know, we took a, we took a poll, uh, of the community before, and, you know, we wanted to know what people wanted to know about your story and the things that popped out the most was like the path to entrepreneurship and the path to real estate. Uh, so we're definitely going to talk about all, all of that, but like, here's my question for you. Like when you were young, did you ever think that like you would be doing everything you're doing right now? No, no, that's an easy one. Um, I didn't have, I think I was always confident in my abilities and, and thought that I would be successful at what I, whatever I did, but I wanted to be a, an auto mechanic for probably most of my childhood. You know, I took auto body and auto tech in high school and I worked on my 1969 Camaro, you know, every day. That was my life. Uh, so I don't, I also wasn't a particularly good student. Not because I wasn't capable, just because I wasn't really applying myself. I was just distracted and bored. And um, so I barely graduated high school, uh, got it, you know, went to community college, um, started taking school most, more seriously after that, realized I wanted to be an, a, a lawyer and, you know, went to law school. I think at that point, obviously, I think was a little bit more confident in my, in the success I would, I would achieve. But never, never this. I never expected, you know, certainly also didn't watch reality TV and never expected to be on it. <laughs> well, I mean, well, what, what was the, I mean, that's a pretty big change being somebody who graduated from 2.0 high school to all of a sudden taking yourself down a path. You're going to law school, working for a top law firm. Like what was the big change? Um, I, had been expelled from several different high schools, you know, wasn't really doing well. Um, my father took me in when I was about 16 and I think he had a really strong influence on me, straightened me out, you know, woke me up at 5 AM. We went and worked out in the garage together. Uh, eventually my brother also got expelled and he took my brother in too. And then, you know, he, he has a military background and kind of laid the law down, so to speak. And we started, taking school more, more seriously. And I think that was kind of a, that there was kind of like a two year process from just going from uh, being kind of like, uh, you know, messed up kid to kind of someone taking school more seriously. And, uh, and then eventually I think, you know, we got into Berkeley and then we, then we started taking school really seriously. So it was a process, but I would, I'd, I'd credit my, my father for kind of straightening us out. And you mentioned, you mentioned two things in there, like waking up early and working out. Why were those the central parts of it all? Working out was always kind of like a, uh, 
I've always had like a lot of aggression and uh, energy. And I think working out was kind of a, a way to uh, vent that, that energy, uh, make me feel productive. And, you know, I think kind of balance me out mentally and physically. So I've working out has been a part of my life since I was 16. Um, I'll work out today after this. So I think that's just, it's always been a, a part of my balanced life. Yeah. And, and what about the, I mean, obvious, obvious question maybe, but like the discipline of waking up early, you know, before school and working out, like wh why, why did that matter so much? Well, I don't think that waking up early is a requisite to, to being successful. I think that ambition and hard work are requisites, but some people aren't morning people. I'm actually not a morning person. You know, when I was a lawyer, I hated, hated waking up in the morning and getting to the office early. One of the things I love most about real estate is that I wake up on my own terms. Uh, now I'm jet lagged, so I got up at 6.30 this morning, but normally I'm up at like 8.39. I don't care, you know, I, I'd rather work late, um, you know, so I think to each their own on that, but, and I'm not, and, and real estate's not really what I would call a disciplined career either. You're all over the place, you know, spinning all kinds of plates, you know, and, and balancing all kinds of things all day long. Um, so I don't think you need to force yourself into, you have to be true to who you are. If you're not a morning person, then I don't think you need to be getting up at 6 a.m. and working out. Um, for me, I needed the structure in my life when I was younger, but now I don't need that structure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So 8.39 is typical wake up time. What time is, what time do you, do you, what time do you stop working typically? I mean, you don't stop working in real estate. So, you know, I'm always answering my phone and texting, uh, but you know, it slows down after like 6, 7 p.m. But, but I don't, I don't stop. I'm, I'm working 24 seven technically, I, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you can add your questions, you know, this is a community discussion. So add your questions, comments, and I'm, I'm monitoring them right here. And we're going to try to get to as many of these as possible. People are already chiming in. I think people want to, uh, I think one of the first things that's coming in is like, some people are surprised that you began as a lawyer, like, Tell us more about that. Like, you know, your, what, you know, what was that experience like for you and, and why did you decide to leave? Yeah, I wanted to be a lawyer, you know, pretty much ever since I was a, I, I didn't take it seriously when I was a kid, but my, I was very argumentative. And so my mom would always tell me that I should be a lawyer. So I think it was in my head. I think I that's the thing more, that every parent, that's something that every parent tells their kid, by the way, when they, when oh, they argue, is that like, true? you should be a lawyer. Yeah. I did yeah. not know that. I thought it was just me. I took it seriously. Uh, but I also did like arguing. I did like um, advocating. I did like, you know, understanding the rules and the nuances of things. So for me, my mind very much works, I think, in the way that uh, a lawyer's mind should work, a good lawyer's mind should work. And I curated that, that skill set in law school. But uh, for me, it was something I just I knew I wanted to do. Uh, until I actually started doing it, you know, which is, by the way, fine. I, I worked on the Enron trial, which was a, a, a massive criminal and civil uh, case. Wow. And I, I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the, the people I work with. Very, you know, it's a very intelligent group of people, very hardworking. I learned a ton. Um, and, you know, credit to Dan Petrocelli, who's a, a L.A. Uh, lawyer who, who I worked under and taught me a lot. Taught me about working on a team. You know, so when I left... Well, I guess I, I'll, I'll slow down a bit and just say, you know, worked as an attorney for many years, but, you know, you're in an office uh, and it's not a very social job at a major law firm. I mean, I guess you're, you're with your, your, your small group of attorneys, but it's intense. I was working 15-hour days. I, was, I went, moved to Houston, Texas for the Enron trial and lived out of a hotel for over six months working, you know, about 17-hour days. Uh, I mean, it was absolutely brutal, unsustainable. My brother was at Skadden Arps on, working on the WorldCom case, also a you know, similar uh, large civil case. He quit um, and started traveling the world. And it was hard for me at that point to kind of keep going when I saw him traveling the world and saw how free he was. And um, one, of the, one of the most meaningful and kind of one of the biggest deep breaths I've ever taken in my life was when I, I put my two weeks in a very emotional day for me. You know, I put my Blackberry down. Um, I remember sitting at a cafe the next day and, and thinking to myself, I don't have anything to do. 
I don't have to be responsive on my BlackBerry. I mean, it was overwhelming amount of relief. Um, so it was a good decision. I remember even going to the bathroom and just thinking, I can spend all the time I want in the bathroom right now. And like, that's how stupid it was. But that, I remember, you know, viscerally remember just being like, I can just sit in the bathroom for 20 minutes if I want to. Yeah. Like, it was such a, such a mind-blowing relief. Yeah, it's not um, coming against your billable hours. But, yeah, but and just, you don't have to be responsible. It, it was, it, 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 it was uh, I'm glad I left. And I, I left and traveled the world for three years. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I certainly didn't, didn't just jump into real estate. I, I, want to hear so, about the world, I want to hear about the world travel, but I do have a question for you. Like, you, you are no stranger to hard work. And so I, don't, I get the sense that it wasn't necessarily the hours. That no, was the no, that's a good point. It, I think it was, I, I have an entrepreneurial spirit, you know, working, I think, for myself, working on a commission basis, running my own company is more motivating than work, you know, being a cog in a wheel um, and working for others. And not to say that I wasn't happy and I didn't enjoy the, my, you know, the, the, the career, but I didn't love it. I liked it, but it was, you know, brutally tough uh, and, and I didn't love it. It wasn't me. It also didn't hone and take advantage of my social skills, which I, I, I'm a social person. Uh, and I think being a lawyer at a major at a corporate law firm doesn't really allow you to, you know, you, you, don't get me wrong. I love using my mind, but that's all that you use when you're a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's, that's the curious thing for a lot of people is like, Hey, you know, wh what's the threshold? Like if I have a good job, cause you had a great job, you were making really good money and it was prestigious and you were working around really smart people. And so I think a lot of people sort of think about, you know, if I want to be an entrepreneur, how do I, like, what's the threshold? Where does it make sense for me to sort of give all of that up and, I and think something else? That's a, a, a really good question. I think you have to understand who you are. I don't think entrepreneurship is, is for everybody. I really don't. And I don't encourage everyone to leave a good job. I really think that you need to understand who you are, not watch, not, you know, watch YouTube channels about what other people did. I mean, I think you need to understand yourself. Maybe talk to a therapist. Therapist, I think, is a therapy is amazing for me. It really allows me to understand myself. The most important answer to that question you just asked is make sure that you understand who you are. Mm -hmm. I think the second um, most important thing is reflect on your, your your level of happiness. I do that all the time. Every three to six months, I really ask myself, how happy have I been on a one to ten? Um, and how happy have I been at work on a one to 10? I even ask my own employees, um, how happy, you know, I say, I, even yesterday I was working out with one of my assistants and I asked him on a one to 10, how happy are you financially? How happy are you, uh, with your, your, your just quality of life in general? How happy are you? Um, I even asked him, how happy are you in your relationship? You know, how happy are you, uh, at, at work? So I think everyone should reflect on that in just a simple one to 10. Yeah. If, you're, if you're dropping below a seven consistently, um, I think you need to reconsider maybe doing something else. If yeah. you're a seven, seven and a half, you know, I think maybe you're okay. Um, but if you can be an eight, eight and a half, that's, that's an awesome life. You know what I think is interesting about that is like the ability to step back and ask yourself that question over a period of time. Because, I mean, if you asked me that question right now, I'd be like, hey, I'm talking to Jason. I'm, a, I'm at an eight and a half, nine. If you asked me that question this morning when I was waking up, I'd have been like a six, you know? So no, the question is, is how on average, what is your average level of happiness over the last six months? Nothing to do with a day to day. Um, of course yeah. you can be a nine one day. You can be a, you know, a five another day. It doesn't matter. It's just overall level of happiness over the last six months. Hmm. Yeah. And are you paying attention to how that sort of trends over time as well? Like how did that compare oh, yeah. to the previous six months? Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely, so it doesn't always vary every six months, maybe it varies every year. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, what, you know, do I, what do I do to get, to get myself? The goal in life for me is to be happy and to have others around you be happy. It's a very simplistic view of life, but it's honestly, that's my view. Uh, it's a utilitarian view. And, you know, I'm not, you know, particularly religious or no, 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 do I look into, you know, the afterlife or things like that. For me, Life is about being happy and, and having those around you happy. So I very much like to think about my last six months, my last year, compare it to the, maybe the year before, figure out what's going on. Maybe do I need to, have I not been working out, you know, 
for the, uh, for a little while. Um, is my relationship um, maybe something that, that isn't moving in the right direction? Um, can I change something with work? Um, you know, do I need uh, to, you know, maybe I, sometimes I, I recognize, you know what, I've been too aggressive financially and maybe just having some money in the bank will calm me and, and give me some more security and, 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 and happiness and peace of mind. You know, there's little things you, maybe I need to lean into my family more and, and spend more time with family because I'm not, I don't feel as connected. Maybe I need to go out more, uh, spend more time with friends. Maybe I need to go out less because I'm getting drained from partying and I'm hung over all the time. I mean, what, you know, I think there's a lot of things you can reflect on. Maybe I'm working. Maybe I'm working too hard. I need to take my foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I need to travel more. And there's a lot of things you can do to kind of. Uh, maybe I need to quit my job, and and get a new job. There's a lot of things. Maybe I need to move cities. <laughs> there's so many different dials that we can we can sort of move, right? Yeah, but I just think a lot of people get stuck in their complacency and don't yeah. reflect, and then all of a sudden, five years have gone by, and you realize you've been a happiness level six for five years and you have one life. You just wasted, you know, half your thirties or half your twenties as a six because you yeah. didn't want to reflect. You didn't want to see a therapist. You didn't want to, you know, uh, analyze what's going on or make changes. And by the way, change is hard and change is scary. So a lot of people just think that maybe it's easier just to stay complacent, stay to six. Don't shoot for a seven or an eight because you don't want to risk a five. Um, you know, I think you also have to look at your level of, of risk. I, I'm okay taking risks. So I'm okay shooting for a five, you know, for an eight and maybe risking a five. I don't know. Um, but I, I also, yeah. So I guess you have to understand who you are as a person. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, just like looking at your, like all the things you've done, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who, who, who would look at you and say, Hey, listen, like this guy's happy. He's gotta be happy because look at all the success he's had in his life. What have you, like, as you've taken this, like, self-inquiry, what have you learned about sort of the relationship between success and happiness? Also a good question. Um, happiness is about perspective. That is something that I believe in strongly. Um, perspective is probably the most valuable thing on planet Earth. You could bottle up perspective and sell it, sell for tens of millions of dollars. Because you can be, you know, I, I remember traveling to Egypt and playing soccer on a sand soccer field, which was probably 110 degrees with, you know, 10, 11 year old kids barefoot playing with a soccer ball that was wrapped in duct tape. And the kids were having the time of their life. Um, they were laughing and, and, and giggling. And, you know, it was one of the most happy moments I've ever had as a person was playing with those kids. And, you know, uh, I remember it today. I mean, it was a top five happiest moment in my life, me and my brother, just in the middle of nowhere playing soccer. And that's what I think that moment, which is why traveling is so important. I think that moment was the most visceral moment teaching me about perspective. A lot of those kids didn't have, you know, any, probably one set of clothes, certainly weren't eating, you know, a lot, um, weren't living in anything probably, but, you know, maybe, a a lot of the people in this part of Egypt were, you know, living in like tin huts, basically. But they were happy because of their perspective. Uh, so, and then you can be a billionaire and you can't, and by the way, these, obviously kids had real problems. Whereas a billionaire could maybe, his problem is that maybe his significant other is, you know, taking antidepressants and is in a bad mood. And he, you know, is losing, you know, his jet, is, you know, has a malfunction. So he's got to fly commercial. And I'm not even knocking those problems. My point is that that's his perspective. That's a real problem to him because he's used to flying his own plane. And now he has to fly commercial and he has to wait in line. So his, because his perspective is so skewed because he's of, of the quality of his life and the money that he has, he's actually not happy that day because he has to fly commercial because he doesn't have perspective. And that's why perspective is so valuable. If he could go remind himself of what it was like having real problems, he'd be the happiest guy um, you know, on the planet. But he can't because he's lost perspective. Perspective is almost impossible to keep. The more money you make, the more successful you become, the more your perspective changes, which means 
that it's almost impossible to continue to achieve that happiness level of a nine because your perspective keeps changing, your expectations keep changing. Um, if you can remember to keep perspective and try to keep perspective and think about the things you're grateful for mm -hmm. and that the problems that you have are, 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 are not significant, I think you can achieve a, you know, a, a higher level of happiness. But almost nobody is capable of keeping perspective. Mm. It seems like it's a discipline, like something that you actively work on. I tr I'm not great at it, but I certainly, I certainly try. Um, I think if you can reflect on how lucky you are and how, and how good things are in your life and stop focusing on the fact that the problems that you think you have are actual problems and maybe reflect on what real problems are, you know, health problems, uh, you know, significant financial problems, uh, family, you know, concerns. I mean, those are real problems. I don't have real problems. I have a, an amazing life. I just need to remind myself of that. And I think, honestly, a lot of successful people need to do that because a lot of successful people, famous people, celebrities, everyone that most people look up to, I don't think that they're much, they might be a little bit happier because certain, certainly, you know, uh, not having financial concerns can overall increase your quality of life. But I think people would be very surprised at the level of happiness that most of the people they look up to and think are happy or should be happy, how happy they really are because perspective is, is tough. So we have some questions coming in, you know, and, and it relates, I think, to what's happening next in your life at this point. You spend, I think, what, three years overseas? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you come back and you decide, I'm going to start a career in real estate. Can you tell us, like, what happened at that time? What were you, like, why, why real estate? Well, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be happier. You know, I had thought I wanted to be a lawyer, and I tried that, and I knew what that entailed. And I, I realized that, you know, I, I think I want to, do something where I'm not necessarily on salary. I want to take more risk. I want to have more control uh, of my day. Um, I wasn't certain about real estate, but, you know, my family had been in real estate. My dad was a, was a real estate agent. So I was like, you know, and when I traveled, I always wanted to look at property. And I loved, so I, I really realized that that's what I'm passionate about is real estate. When I, I was traveling the world, I wanted to just go look at different condos and houses in different countries for no reason other than I just loved it. Uh, same with my brother. So I said, you know what? This is something that I think is in my blood. This is something I think that if I, I could be happy doing. So I asked one of my friends who was on a, 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 the Joyce Ray real estate team at, at Coldwell Banker. And I said, you know, can you get me an interview with Joyce? I want to maybe join your team and start in real estate. And, you know, she told me the reality of it. I mean, I would be, I, I she got me an interview. Uh, thankfully, Joyce allowed me to join her team, but no, it wasn't a salary. So it was, you know, kind of, you got to find your own food. And I sat, you know, in the corner of her office with two other people in a $24 Ikea desk that was two feet wide, some little, you know, crappy piece of wood desk. And, you know, like, a, I don't remember what chair. And, and I just stared at and listened. I stared in the, to the office. I had nothing to do. I didn't know what I was doing. I just listened to her on the phone. Uh, I worked 10, 12 hours a day doing nothing, really, other than studying street maps, uh, listening to people, asking them if I could tag along, sit in open house. Uh, I just started learning, uh, trying to figure, you know, I would go online and say, okay, what's this house worth? Why is it, why is it worth this? Uh, I got my contractor's license. I said, I want to understand what, you know, finishes and how houses are built. I want to study architects. I want to study designers. I, I just studied. I love learning. I love studying. And I just spent about a year or two basically just learning every single thing I could so I could be the best agent you know, possible when, when somebody finally asked me to sell their house and I didn't make anything. I mean, I don't want to say I didn't make anything, but I went from making several hundred thousand dollars a year, guaranteed salary as a lawyer to making $50,000 a year in my first year. And I think 50 or $55,000 my second year. And I went from driving a, you know, a hundred thousand dollar Mercedes convertible to driving my grandfather's, you know, like 82 gold Lincoln, which overheated. I mean, it, uh, I went from going to a, a bar and telling a girl I was a lawyer to telling a girl I was a real estate agent, which was not a sexy thing, you know, 12 years ago, by the way, like it is today. So, you know, it was, a, it was a, an ego bruise for sure. Financially, I was living um, with a buddy of mine in a, in a, in a one-bedroom apartment. You know, we were, one was on the couch, one was on the bed. We'd switch off every month. Uh, so it was not sexy wow. at all. Yeah. Um, but I was doing something that, that I knew 
I was happy doing. And I knew if I could become successful as a real estate agent, I would be much happier than if I became successful as a lawyer. I mean, did you have your doubts at that point? I mean, because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge quality of life change for you from what you were experiencing at a corporate law firm. Was part of you like, hey, I made the wrong call? Yeah, I had a couple of moments where I was, I thought about going back into law. You know, I, I wasn't making any money. I went 10 months without doing a deal my first year. Uh, it was, the ego bruise was difficult, you know, for me. I was like, I was a little concerned. I, I, I definitely questioned whether I could be a real estate agent. I was like, I knew I could do it because I saw other people in the office doing it. And I'm like, I'm a smart person. I'm motivated. I can, you know, figure this out. I knew I could be a good agent, but it was so hard to get clients. I didn't know, like, I didn't know how. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was going into debt, you know, into credit card debt. And yeah, there was not, nothing sexy about, about my career for the first couple of years. I definitely questioned it, but, you know, I, I'm a pretty tough character. You know, I like to, I, I persevere pretty well. And I also, oddly enough, as successful as I am now, I actually don't need much to be happy. You know, I mean, uh, you give me a thousand dollar car and throw me in an apartment with, with my buddy and uh, just give me enough money to kind of maybe go get some ice cream and have a couple beers. Uh, I'll be okay. So I, I knew that for me, I don't need as much of a safety net. You know, I, yeah. I can be happy eating, you know, burritos from the burrito, you know, truck. That's what I did most of high school and college. So I was like, you know, I can give, I'm going to take a five-year approach to this process. Looking for new ways to keep up with the latest business trends and insights? Business Class from American Express is an educational resource to help today's business leaders adapt to the current economic environment. To view compelling stories, timely tips, and inspiring insights from industry experts, leaders, and street-savvy entrepreneurs, visit amex.co forward slash business class. There's a lot of people chiming in here asking about sort of your start in real estate. Like, you know, and I think, I think people are looking for advice. They want to know like how to get their start. And so the, the question maybe, maybe we can, we can answer is like during those early days when you were trying to figure it out, was there a moment or a lesson that really popped for you that sort of like made it all click in? I wouldn't say there was any particular moment other than I, I realized you need to take a five-year approach. You just can't measure success. And I, and I know that this instant gratification culture that we have and every possible video on TikTok and YouTube is about being successful and, uh, you know, buying Bitcoin and it goes up, you know, a thousand percent and you're a millionaire, but that's not how life works. It's just not, uh, life is really about, uh, success is really about just years of hard work and dedication and, 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 you know, slowly becoming more and more and more successful. Um, which by the way is the better, the, the more fulfilling way to do it. I mean, if you can take a step up every year, you're happy because you see your success. I would, I would not want to be someone who got successful really quickly and then went down at all. That, I just think it would be a lot harder to handle. I'd much prefer take three times as long to become successful, <laughs> but just come up a little bit each year. Just in terms of, I think, your, your human nature, that's a better way to do it, a more happy way to do it. Well, you're saying that, but, but at the same time, like, from an objective point of view, you kind of did that, right? You did take that step down. You were a corporate law lawyer, you know, making good money, and then you did take that step down. So, well, but, but like that was by choice. So okay. for me, that's totally different. I um, like if I, I wouldn't want to be, yeah, I, I think that's that's I think that's the delineation there. If I choose to take a step down, it doesn't affect my. If anything, I'm more happy because I, that's my decision. But if life puts steps me down, I think that's I a harder pill to swallow. I see. I see. You know, in, in all of this, like, where did like a, I mean, you talked a little bit about ego already, but like, how did other people's approval fit into all this? Like when you went and told your friends, I'm, I'm leaving corporate law. And when you came back and you're like, I'm going to join at the bottom, at the bottom of the real estate industry. Like, what, how did people respond to that? Luckily, my family was pretty supportive. You know, I mean, I knew that my parents liked telling you know, their friends or whatever that I was a lawyer on the Enron trial at a big law firm, et cetera, and I was in the press all the time. Um, so, and that was cool for my ego, too. But I luckily have never been someone who's really derived a ton of, of my confidence from other people or from their opinions. Um, and there's goods and bads with that. But... I think it's great because I'm on reality TV and there's a lot of judging out there. 
So luckily I've just never been someone who's cared a ton about public opinion. So it's allowed me to leave my corporate law you know, job and the prestige of that. Um, I've cared more about what I think and what my brother thinks and what my, my family and friends think. And they've always been pretty supportive uh, of me. So I have a lot of confidence and not don't. Yeah. I definitely would say that it's, a, it's a fair assessment to say that I just don't care much about public opinion mm. um, about not just about me, but really about anything. I like to make up my own mind about things. I think the public is wrong a ton mm. um, about individuals and about just a lot of things. I, I, I think we lack, you know, not to digress too much, but critical thinking is not a skill that I think a ton of people have. I, can, I believe in myself and my own critical thinking skills and my own decision-making skills. I'd say that's probably why I'm successful if I were to point to one thing is that I've believed in my, my own abilities and not really listened to others. Well, the, the other thing I think is like a real pattern that I'm noticing is like your ability to leap, right? Because a lot of people, like you say, get stuck. And they want to do something, but they, they're afraid to take the jump. And you took the jump, you know, from corporate law into traveling and then from traveling into real estate. I want to talk about the next leap, which is like going from working for uh, another firm to deciding to go out on your own and be an entrepreneur. What was, what, tell us, like, take us back to that moment. And like, what were you thinking? Well, also a, a scary decision because I was once again becoming, you know, relatively successful and in a safe environment, you know, I had the Coldwell Banker umbrella over me and the, 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 the team that I was working on. Um, but I just, I want you know, I have a thing in me about doing my own thing and being able to make my own decisions. Um, you know, I, I like to control my, my own environment. So I just, it was weird. I just, I, I thought about going to a different brokerage. I'm like, you know what? What if I just started my own brokerage? Mm. And then I just kind of got carried away with that and got excited about that. And I also have taken what I think maybe most business books would say is just, you know, extremely dumb uh, investing advice. But I, oh, I like doing things like over the top. I like to, if I'm going to do something, um, and I get this from my parents, but I've always been taught, like, if you're going to do it, like do the best possible job you, you can do. Um, and so even for me, like if I'm like, I'm going to get my own office, then I didn't have a single agent and I, I got this office and I spent a lot of the money I had building it out. Um, just because I just, I don't know, like if I'm, I'm going to do it, I want the office on the best location on the best block. Um, and I want it to look the coolest and I just believe that it would work out and it did. Um, and I've done that a lot. I mean, even the Newport beach office, I didn't have a single agent. I saw this office space. It was five times bigger than I ever needed. Um, I knew it would cost me a million dollars to build out. And it was objectively just stupid on every level to do that. Um, but it worked out uh, so really how well. This, like, how much of that is like you, like in some ways kind of burning the boat and saying like, look, if I'm going to go do this, then like now I don't have any other options than to make it work. Yeah, it's definitely self-motivating when you do that because it puts pressure on you. And I don't, and I, I think I do well under pressure. Um, but I also just, yeah, I've never been someone to half-ass anything. I mean, if I handed in a book report, you know, when I was younger, it was printed perfectly. I put it in a little cover, you know, I cleaned the plastic on the top. Like, you know, I, I, if I highlighted, I highlighted it perfectly. I just, I, I think if you're going to do something, like be the best at it. And it doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, successful in terms of what people think are successful. If you're going to be a woodworker or you're going to make, you know, you know, stickers, rainbow stickers, or you're going to be a, you know, collect trash, just be the best person at your job. I love that pride. I love going into like a, you know, if I'm going to go get my shoes polished, I will talk to that guy for an hour about how we learned to polish shoes, what polish he uses, how he does it, what machinery he uses. Like be the best shoe polisher on planet earth. And I will have all the respect in the world for you. And I, I think I just always wanted to, you know, be the best at whatever I did. And I honestly think, that whatever I did, even if I wasn't an attorney uh, or, or a real estate agent, I think I would be awesome at, at whatever I chose because I, it's just my personality. Yeah. And it sounds like you, you're talking about the difference between, you know, just having a job and, and really treating your job like a craft. Or anything. It's not even if you're going to do a hobby. Um, right. Even if you're, 
but whatever you do, you know, if you're going to clean your car, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I have, when I used to obviously clean my own car all the time, right? I went, or I, and I worked on my, my own hot rod when I was a kid. I wanted the best hot rod in the world. When I cleaned it, I spent like three hours cleaning it. You know, I cleaned the inside of the wheel. I mean, just do the best possible job you can if you're going to do it. Don't half-ass anything. Um, that's my personality. And I think if more people, I think pride is something that a lot of people lack because I think they focus on the money or the prestige and not the actual pride in doing the work. Um, and they focus on, you know, the outcome and the, and the rewards of the outcome and not the process. Um, and I think critical thinking, like thinking for yourself. So if you, if you can be a prideful, hardworking person and think for yourself, I think that's probably some, you know, you've got a, a good chance of being successful. Yeah. So after starting your own business, what did you find to be the hardest part about being an entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the time and the effort and the energy. I mean, I, I was working so hard that I was like getting tears down my, my face at night because I was so stressed out. And, and, um, you know, I was working 14 hours a day and super overwhelmed. Now I thrive, I think under that type of pressure, but I don't think it's uh, healthy and sustainable. Um, you know, I had a hard time delegating and I was, you know, nervous about hiring an assistant. Um, but you know, it just, I, I think that was the toughest part was eventually learning to let go of every single detail and being so obsessive because in order to grow and you have to start delegating. I, I think mm -hmm. that was one of the best lessons I ever learned was, was that I needed to delegate. And when I started delegating, I, my, my whole world changed and I was able to expand the business. Yeah, and then, by the way, that means, that means hiring really good people and paying them really well. Um, one of the most important things you can do in business is, is find really good people and then rewarding them for their efforts. And what about your brother? What you, did, did you end up starting it with your brother? Uh, yeah, he came on a little bit after I started it. But also, making business decisions with my brother is something that, that gave, gives me a ton of confidence. And obviously, people can't duplicate that. Um, but for me, you know, my, if my brother and I are on the same page and we work through things together and discuss things, he's my, my best advisor and my best confidant. Uh, and I respect his opinion more than anyone else on the planet. So if my brother and I agreed on something, I had a ton of confidence in it. Uh, I don't know if people have that in their life. Maybe there's another person that they have a lot of respect for. But I definitely uh, have my brother to lean on. And, and, and I think I, I won't. We never make serious decisions without each other. And that certainly gives me confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was one of the questions that came in is like, how do you think you and your brother balance each other out? I think that's so. I think... Um, you know, you, you can't be closer to anyone on planet Earth than you can an identical twin brother when you've curated that relationship. Uh, the doesn't mean that every identical twin has been able to capitalize on that relationship. But if you are able to capitalize it, there's nothing, there's nothing more meaningful that exists, I don't think. Um, and we, we've been able to capitalize on that. And I think we've given each other confidence that we otherwise wouldn't have. When my brother quit law and started traveling, that's what gave me the confidence. I don't think I otherwise might not have ever quit the law and started traveling. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can talk about it. The problem is that, that people can't duplicate that. So I don't know how helpful that is to other people. Uh, but maybe that's your mom. Maybe that's your dad. Maybe that's the best friend. But for me, my brother has given me, you know, more confidence than anyone could possibly give anyone else. Yeah. What happens when you and your brother disagree? How do you guys work through it? Um, well, we disagree all the time. We fight all the time, but that doesn't mean that, that when it comes to major decisions, we don't, you know, we, we, we talk through the nuance together. We, our minds think very similarly. We're both very analytical and lawyerly about things. And, um, and I like his advice and, uh, even like opening up a new office. That was something Brett and I talked about for years. So it, it's a nice balance for me. I always still go with, with what I feel is right. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't do something that Brett disagrees with, and I do all the time. Um, but his advice is still super meaningful. Yeah, there's a question that came in about um, how being a lawyer has like worked in your world right now. Like, do you see a relationship between between your time as a lawyer and what you do today with real estate and entrepreneurship? Sorry, say it one more time. I think like, I missed it. How is how is being a lawyer? Yeah, oh, how did it help me? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if being a lawyer is what 
help me other than the fact that my clients certainly appreciate it. And I think it gives me a, a lot of credence. I think law school and the ability to learn to think like a lawyer is what helped me. Uh, my mind, I think, works very much like I can, I'm a problem solver. And real estate is all about solving problems in many respects. Of course, I'm very good at the, con, you know, the contractual aspects and my mind works very well, I think. And my legal acumen allows me to read contracts and analyze. And so I've never you know, had an issue, a legal issue. None of my clients have. They never had to go to arbitration or, you know, or, or litigation. And, and I can't imagine any other brokerage that could say that. And I think that that is because I'm always crossing my T's and dotting my I's because I, I think like a lawyer and I make sure to protect everybody and disclose everything. And so there's that aspect. But I think more importantly, um, I'm able to solve problems because I, I can think analytically and think critically. And I think that was curated um, in law school. And as a, you know, when I was working for many years on the Enron trial, I mean, you're, I remember I was, I was spending a lot of time drafting up a cross-examination of uh, Andrew Fastow, who was the CFO of Enron, uh, and he was a government witness. And you're, all you're doing is analyzing and thinking critically and thinking how to you know, make arguments uh, and solve things. So yeah, I think that helped a lot. Yeah. Um, there's clearly a lot of people, you're, I'm looking at these comments, and there's so many people who look up to you. Um, who do you look up to today? I don't spend a lot of time looking up to people. I don't mean that in an egotistical sense. I just don't. Um, but I think Elon Musk is a really impressive businessman. I think he thinks outside the box. Um, I'd say he's probably the most impressive businessman out there, in my opinion. Uh, Albert Einstein, not alive anymore, but I think he his ability to think outside the box was, although... He spent the last half uh, of his life not being able to think outside the box when it came to quantum mechanics, and he contributed almost nothing to science the last 50 years of his life. So he's almost an interesting juxtaposition to study. Um, but, yeah, I think those two maybe are pretty influential for me. Yeah. Einstein uh, more than Musk, but yeah, Musk is saying, impressive. Funny, I was reading about Einstein the other day, and, I, and I, I didn't know this about him, but how much time he just spent away from the lab like mm. he got his best thinking done when he was on a boat, like he, he would sail around and he would get lost and he would wander around. He said, that's where he did his best thinking. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, in fact, there was like this study that I read that, that, that basically surveyed thousands of people about where you get your best ideas. And people answered like on a run or in the shower or taking a walk in nature. Yeah. And like very, very few people answered at their desk. Well, and I also think that it's funny. You can go so long and not spend any time thinking outside the box because we get in such a routine. We come in the office, we do our job, we go home, and we never actually think, question, hey, maybe should, is there another way to do my job better, which you'd think is what companies should encourage, and you'd think that that's what you'd want a worker to be spending most of his time on. Like, what if I could restructure the entire approach and process and make it twice as good? But yeah. no one ever like takes that holistic approach to what they do. They just come in, they do their, you know, they're their robotic. Um, yeah. That's why I like people that just like, wait, what if instead of, you know, like Elon Musk, I think is exceptional at that. Just not being confined by the, the mundane and thinking, wait, maybe what if we could travel underground? Or yeah. I mean, literally just stupid, larger picture things. I think that is how technology in the world move forward by people just sucking themselves out of that little tunnel that they're in every day and just thinking a little bit bigger and a little bit more critically and not, I guess that's what I'm, when I say not, when you go into your office and you do what your boss says and, and you don't ever question anything, that's not thinking critically. Right. Um, so I, I guess that's what I think I would like to encourage people to do is not just take everything for granted, not take it, you know, what a doctor or a politician says as necessarily gospel like think for yourself do your own research i mean you can go online these days you don't have to always you know listen to everybody else yeah yeah well i mean and, and, and so like again like the theme the theme i'm or that's like emerging for me is leaping like you continue to take these leaps and like now you're an entrepreneur and then all of a sudden like television starts to become a thing for you like how did that all happen um 
So again, taking leaps, I think, leads to benefits that you will never, ever understand. So for example, starting my own brokerage, deciding to get this office on, the, on Sunset Plaza, um, as stupid as 99% of businessmen would say it is to, spend that, to sign up a 10-year lease and spend that kind of money building something out when you don't have enough clients, or you don't have a single agent. Um, it ended up that I started hiring my friends. Uh, hiring is not the right word because I don't pay a salary, but you know, I started working with my friends. Um, and then started becoming more successful, in the, you know, and we had, a, we had a billboard essentially in the Sunset Strip. I started doing real estate in the hills, which is if I turn this camera around, it's right there. Um, and, and then some, we, we pulled an ad out, which also stupid, but I figured it would be so fun to pull an ad out in the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, take a team photo, put an ad, number one team on the you know, Sunset Strip. I doubt, I don't know if we were the number one team, but it sounded cool. Mm -hmm. and, and then some, some uh, well, Adam DeVillo and Skyler, our producers, saw the ad and called us and said, are you guys interested in the show? Now, at the time, we were not interested in the show. In fact, we had been approached, I think, probably for the, a year prior by many different producers and talent agents. And my brother and I were pretty adamantly against the show because we were becoming more successful the idea of a show was like, what, we're going to abdicate uh, control of our brokerage, of our brand, of our reputation to some producers we don't know, to some network or streaming service we don't know, up to, to a show that may suck. Um, so it's just like, what's too much risk, not enough reward. But Adam talked us into it. Um, another leap of faith, to be honest, because we went from being adamantly against it to just you know, you only live once. Let's just, let's just do it and see what, what happens. Say? What did he say to convince you? Um, well, I basically hung up on them the first phone call. So he called back, which, you know, credit there. Um, and they basically just talked him his way into just coming into the office. And I said, you know, fine. Okay. Come into the, you can come into the office. Uh, sat down with us, talked to us for a little bit, then talked us into doing a five minute, sizzle reel like you know i was like okay we'll do a five minute sizzle reel we can do that uh where they just interview us you know say, and it's gonna be a show about real estate and you know i'm like okay you know this maybe this is okay the, the, the girls were pretty into it so i'm like okay then the five minute sizzle reel turned into a 20 minute pilot we're like okay we did the sizzle reel you know i guess we, next step is the pilot and then after the pilot the next step was you know one a full season on netflix and at that point you're totally in you're totally on board so it was like a it was like a process, you know, kind of got talked into it, but then have so happy that I, that I went for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot, there's, you can just see like comments, comments blowing up. Everybody's a fan of the show and, and what you've done. Um, what, like, what was it like being on camera for you? And like, you know, is there, is there anything that you like can share with us about like, Oh, I hated it. <laughs> Season one, I was an absolute wreck. Um, if they ever released the B-roll of season one, I'm just screaming and, and upset and like overthinking everything and wondering how things could be spinned or wondering what I said or anyone else. I think we were all nervous wrecks on season one because um, you don't have a trust in the process yet. You don't have a trust in the, uh, in the producers yet. And that took time. Uh, and I think that's why every season got better and continues to. I think we get more and more comfortable there's more and more trust, um, and, and I think we're more and more ourselves, and I think that the audience responds to that. Certainly, I had you told me on season one that I was going to explore a relationship on camera, um, I would have laughed. Uh, literally, I just would have laughed hysterically because I would have, because I would be like, you're an idiot. I'll never do that. Um, so I've definitely loosened up. I, I don't even, yeah, to me, being on camera and off camera is like almost the same now. It's so natural to me. So again, and for all of us, and that's again, probably why, you know, we connect with the audience and probably why we're the only, I think the only show on Netflix or one of the only shows on Netflix that has had more success each season since we started, because I think people can see that we're just ourselves more and more. Yeah. Well, I, I know we're coming up on time here, but like, you know, what what do you think? I mean, as we like kind of zoom out on your story a little bit, like what do you think people misunderstand about the journey you've taken? 
I don't know how, what, how people interpret. I don't know people's thoughts on my journey. Unfortunately, I don't read a lot of comments. Um, so I don't, maybe you, I don't know how people, what people think <laughs> what, of me. What do you think? Um, what do you think do you, okay. I, I, I guess I'll answer it this way. I certainly would assume that people don't understand the difficulties that I went through uh, and that my brother went through and that we went through together. Uh, with our family and, uh, you know, just in the earlier part of our lives, because we were on a pretty, a path that I don't, th I, let's put, I was not voted like most likely to succeed. Let's yeah. put it that way. I, I probably was, if they had had to rank everyone most likely to succeed, I would have come in towards the bottom because I was, you know, I wasn't focused. I was um, just, uh, I mean, I, I was a problem child. You know, I would fight. I wouldn't go to school. I just got into trouble, you know, a lot with, with police and, and authority. I was just, you know, I, I wore baggy clothes and earrings and I smoked and I, you know, did a lot of stupid stuff. And I don't think anybody would have been like, that dude's going somewhere. Um, but... I, I think that, you know, I was given second chances. I think my dad helped straighten me out. Um, I'm certainly a believer in, in people having second chances. But I, I think that's probably misunderstood, is that you don't always have to be on the right path. You don't have to go to, like, the best high school. You don't have to always get good grades. Um, you can make your decision. At I was at 30-something. I quit law. I was in massive debt. I had no job. Um, you know, I was living on a couch. But I decided, you know, to start over. So I think you can always decide to start over. I think people always feel trapped. They could be trapped at their job. They could be trapped in a relationship. They could be trapped in a city. Um, and I think you just got to realize that, like, it's never too late. And I think people always feel like it's too late. I can't think of a better place to end. So, Jason, thanks so much, man. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, you as well. Yeah, and, and for those of you who joined us, thank you so much. And, and this is going to be this is going to be available on American Express Business on the Instagram handle, so you can go check out this interview later on. And we'll be back uh, next week as well, next Wednesday for another interview. Um, Jason, we'll see you out there. Thank All you. Right, take care, man. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Office Hours. You can find other can't miss conversations and a ton of useful resources for business owners at every stage at amex.co forward slash business class. Wondering how other business leaders are navigating through the current environment? Get your questions answered by joining Office Hours, our live Q&A program where we talk with influential entrepreneurs and business experts about their experiences. Visit amex.co forward slash office hours for more information, including the upcoming schedule.